This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. One of the big questions is, what is money? For practical purposes, it exists in a series of uh, heterogeneous databases, very different databases. Do you believe in crypto? Digital currency may be an answer. But it is the highly speculative asset. I do own Bitcoin. There is no second best. Welcome to the Crypto Curious Podcast, designed to help you navigate the dynamic world of cryptocurrency. We're here for anyone who is interested in crypto at all. Maybe you've already dipped your toe in the water, or maybe you don't know anything about it and this is the very beginning, but we recommend heading back to the early episodes to get your footing. However, if you think you're ready to dive in head first, then let's do it. In this week's episode, Blake gives his inside scoop on Australia's NFT Fest, which took place last week in Melbourne, and we discuss the next batch of weird happenings in the NFT saga. My name's Tracy, and I'm joined by my pals from the Bamboo app, Australia's finest bachelors, Blake and Craig, who both enjoy long walks along the beach, pina coladas, and bull markets. Hi, boys. Welcome. Hi, Tracy. Doing well, thanks. Thanks for that intro. Craig, how you doing? <laughs> What is this? Is this uh, is this Tracy Tracy finding us love Blake? It's the dating. It's Crypt, the match. Crypto up. podcasters Anyone's want early. a wife. That's what we should. Call it. I don't know how many women are listening to this podcast, but <laughs> excuse me, there's a lot of women. There actually is. There actually is a few. I think so there's a okay. lot. As we met at the, um, Crypto- were we surprised Crypto-Con. at how many women were at the crypto CryptoCon? There were so many. But I like that idea that you've just put forward. Crypto podcasters want a wife. <laughs> Oh, that's gold. But anyway, let's get into it, shall we? Blake is going to give us, as you know, because Blake wasn't with us last week, it was um, Craig and myself holding the fort. Blake's going to give us a round out of NFT Fest Australia, which happened last week. So let's dive in, Blake. What were your highlights from this two-day event? Yeah, so it was a great event held in St Kilda in Melbourne, Victoria. And yeah, all things NFTs and metaverse. And there were some really strong themes that came through, particularly all the stuff that the the big sport teams have been doing over the last couple of years, as well as, you know, the prominence of DAOs and the communities that they're developing around NFTs. So, you know, what was really apparent was that, you know, some really top-end brands like the F1, the NBA and the NFL have all looked to broaden their audience and give them better experiences. And this coincided with COVID and people unable to interact with their sports fans and, and watch games like you know they used to. They couldn't go to the games anymore. So That's a good uh, point, yeah. Yeah, it really created a perfect storm for these organizations to look at new and innovative ways to connect with their audiences and I think we've seen so many projects come through the pipeline now, really embracing Web3, embracing NFTs, uh, and it's just fascinating to hear their stories. So obviously there was like those talks, was there people like sponsorships, like companies that had sponsorship stalls, or was it just more of a like more of an event level thing? 
Yeah, who was there? Who was there talking about it on that level? Or who was there from Sportings talking about it? Yeah, the the F1, um, there was somebody from the NFL. Um, there was someone mm. from Cricket Australia. Or actually people from their associations. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's cool. right. Yeah, they came along and, and talked about the, the initiatives that they were working on, how they viewed the sector and, you know, how they were branding it, how they were taking their products to market. And there were some really interesting insights there. You know, many of these groups are, are not calling them NFTs. They're calling them digital collectibles to make it more consumable. Digital collectibles. So yeah. Reddit did. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, to make it more consumable and, and not as, you know, um, to remove kind of the barrier to entry. And they're really, these organizations are really focused on making it as easy as possible for their fan bases to interact with. So many of them, you don't have to set up a wallet, you know, it's just a one click thing and, you know, you get your NFT emailed to you or it's just in an account on their website. So yeah, they're really focused on the user experience, which is important to you know, broaden you know, the use case of the technology. Interesting. Interesting. What else did you, what else did you like? Yeah. So there was a massive theme around DAOs uh, and what DAOs are doing for the sector. And have you guys heard of, um, have heard of the project called Nouns or the NFTs called Nouns? Yeah. We love Nouns. I, I have like it. It's an incredible project, Craig. And these guys have NFTs that auction every day and they on average go for about 30 to 35 ether every day. So almost a hundred thousand dollars and not anymore. No, they're no, still the, doing really well. Now they're still doing, doing really, doing well. really well. Really? Yeah. I think they were doing up to 50 ether earlier mm. on in the year. Jeez. Yeah. So I love nouns. And, and so what happens when you purchase a noun in one of these daily auctions is that the ETH that you buy the noun with goes into the DAO, uh, into the treasury, and they have about 30,000 ether, which makes up about a hundred million Aussie dollars. And then anyone can put up a proposal in the, in the DAO to utilize this ETH to further promote the project. And those that embody the culture of the community are the ones that tend to get awarded these proposals. And there's a little story I'll just quickly share with you about a girl named Little Purple Blueberry. And she was about 12 years old and she's part of the noun community. And she started off uh, customizing other people's nouns, like the NFTs, you know, the stylizing them. And she really embodied the values of the community. And she ended up getting voted to the Nounish Council. And so she's on the board or on the council of this DAO. She's 12 years old and, you know, she's, you know, in part responsible for how, you know, this $100 million of capital gets allocated to perpetuating the DAO. So it's a fascinating uh, example of community, I think. Mm, that's what um, yeah, actually Logan cool. Paul did that with his 99 originals. I wonder if he stole that from nouns but i think that's only for holders to participate so it's good that this is a bit more inclusive mm, i just yeah. i just thought it was pretty cool that you've got the photos of the little 12 year old girl that's missing school up on the on the stage that's that was pretty cool yeah that's no, fantastic so what do you think about that tracy you have kids and you know how do you how would you feel if your kids were getting involved and participating in a DAO like this well look i mean kids are definitely going to get in involved with nfts like my boys have, have got a couple of nfts and if they can go a little bit further than just collecting them because they like them then i think that's you know i think that's great especially to have some kind of ownership and to learn something along these lines as far as, you know, what a DAO represents, I think that's really cool. I think it's great. Yeah, I think we're going to see more and more of these digital communities organising, of developing their own cultures and then, you know, um, 
built, creating art to then fund the, you know, the purpose or the mission of the organization, which is you know, awesome to watch. But of course, you know, what came with this conversation was a lot of discussion about regulation. As we know, DAOs aren't really regulated. Um, they don't really fit nicely into the current regulatory landscape. And as a result, some of these DAOs have inadvertently broken laws um, as they operate from raising capital or from, from doing things um, or <laughs> organizing in a particular way. And as a result, what we've seen from that is the US government pursuing individual token holders because, you know, these DAOs aren't registered. So they're, they're pursuing the community members. So those that are involved in a, um, in a DAO and have voted on a project that you know, may or may not be legal, that you could be held liable. There's a there's it's a lot of unknown, there's a lot of unknown to DAOs. I think this even we need to maybe even do a separate episode or something to look into DAOs. There's a lot of different stories. You were telling me that one the other day, Blake, about how their DAO had done something a bit dodgy. He'd voted against his own DAO. Yeah, that DAO uh, that that he stole all the funds and then made a proposal and then voted to yeah yeah. So there's a lot to unpack with DAOs. So pot- potentially we do maybe um, tack on the end of the news episode some um, deep diving into the DAOs because it's a little bit to get your head around. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So you know there was also a lot of discussion at the conference about metaverse and um, it was really interesting yes. seeing people's hearing people's insights about you know what the metaverse is and you know people were saying you know the metaverse is the internet we live in not saying that we browse you know traditionally we browse the internet and you know as we move into the metaverse we'll be we'll be living in it you know and it and in that sense the metaverse will be like an interface. Did they talk about how many metaverses there would be? You know, we're all always pulling the piss here about how many there are. Was there any? Did anyone talk about that <laughs> fact? The fact that there's so many. I I didn't catch anything along those lines, but I'm sure there would have been some conversations about that. <laughs> but they're all they're all positive about the metaverse, then. Yeah, everyone had their own take on it. You know, what's going to work, what's not. Um, but I think the general consensus is that you know it's it's an ever evolving space, and you know it's just going to grow and grow. Yeah. But overall, you know, the the presentation of the festival was bang on. I saw a lot of a lot of social media talked about how great it was, and from the look of it, it you know, it looked really well presented, and everyone seemed to be, you know, having a great old time. So, but was there sponsor was there sponsorship stalls there, there Blake? Re- I don't, like it didn't look like companies it. Companies that didn't had like stalls. It, yeah, really. there wasn't really sponsorship stalls, but I, you know, the nouns they sponsored the event. I saw, I saw Penfolds; they were also a sponsor, so. Um, they're definitely Penfolds yeah, Wine. Penfolds Wine. So they're um, doing something in the sector, uh, and there are many other smaller sponsors, including uh, CoinSpot uh, as well. Yeah, yeah, and there were some other really good talks that I saw on um, LinkedIn and places like that. So I think, and obviously, we those who listen to us regularly, we had um, Greg on a few weeks ago, who was the organizer, and I know. But he seemed to be pretty happy with how everything went. So, you know, kudos to those guys. And, you know, hopefully if it um, – I'm sure it will happen again next year. We'll hopefully get along and it'll be bigger and better with uh, lots more guests and a lot more going on. And hopefully the market's turned around a bit more. True. <laughs> next year. So we'll um, we'll see. But thank you, Blake, for the recap. Um, and if anyone else did get along that um, wants to point out anything that they thought was cool, then shoot us an email. But let's get into some news of the last seven days. Actually, 
No, it was the last three days because everyone knows we dropped an episode Monday and we're moving to our Wednesdays. So this is really the last news for the last three days or four days from since we last recorded. This next story I'm titling BitBoy in the Bahamas on a mission to confront SBF. And I'm going to hand over to Craig here because he knows a bit more about what's going on because I actually haven't kept up with this one. What is BitBoy doing in the Bahamas, Craig? Tell us this story. Yeah, so... BitBoy, very controversial, I'd say, crypto influencer. He has a million followers on Twitter. I think he has over a million on YouTube. So, he's a guy that some of the OGs think he's a bit of a shiller. Anyway, let's not go into BitBoy. But BitBoy, he is sick of the weak journalism from the New York Times. And he's actually flown himself down to the Bahamas and he's videoing himself carrying on with Sam's car at Sam's apartment. So, he's actually like in the Bahamas. If you get the chance to go to his Twitter, have a look. But actually, breaking news, Tracy, Sam has actually agreed to join a Twitter spaces with <sighs> BitBoy. <sighs> so, this is going to break Twitter. Um, and Better rejoin. Yeah. So, he just <laughs> he tweets, um, SBF and I agreed to do a Twitter spaces within the next two weeks. He has unblocked me on Twitter so you can <laughs> confirm we have spoken. I look forward to getting the answers for the community must have to move forward. So, um, mm-hmm. very interesting development in the FTX saga. Okay, case. there you go. You heard it first, think, breaking news. Think, yeah, guerrilla journalism at its finest, Craig. Mm. <laughs> BitBoy and SBF, that is going to be thrilling. But on to our next bit of news, and this one is still on the FTX-SBF saga. But this one is really interesting, and um, we've spoken about this briefly, the three of us, but let's dig into it a little bit more. FTX has bought a bank, and this was a while ago. FTX invested $11.5 million in the parent company of Farming State Bank through a subsidiary. This is what we know. The bank was the 26th smallest bank in the USA. It only had three employees. So when FTX invested this $11 million, it only owned 10% of the bank, but the valuation of the bank then went up to over $100 million. So this bank didn't even offer credit cards before FTX, and it was just, like I said, a really small bank. We don't actually know how it got approved by federal re- regulators because to buy a bank, you need licensing to do so. But they're, they're speculating that this is something to do with um, – getting a a banking license to be able to some kind of crypto banking in the future. Is that correct? I think the issue here was it was sort of low-key because, I mean, there's a famous chart of all the subsidiaries and there's like 30 of them. 130 of them. 130 of them. There's 130 subsidiaries of FTX, yep. Yeah, so one of them bought FTX and I think some eagle-eyed people have now figured it out. But I guess one of the issues here is obviously there's a licensing thing that you touched on, Trace, but also, you know, I don't make any accusations. <laughs> this is what I – but I'll go but ahead I'll and do go it anyway. Ahead and do it. Um, yeah. But sort of the commentary in the media is saying, you know, we're FTX using this – it's called Farmington Bank for some sort of shady money laundering scheme because before the investment, the deposits were at 10 mil. And then the third quarter of this year, the deposits were 600% more at 84 mil. So that is some pretty good performance from the bank, but also ties in deeper because this bank apparently has ties to Tether, Bitfinex, and the parent company Deltec is based in the Bahamas. So I think this runs really deep about what's actually gone on here. And, you know, we've seen it already with 
SBF's donations and how he's being covered, and I think it's just gonna these things are just gonna keep coming out for a long time. Mm, okay, what are your thoughts here, Blake? I can't take you seriously with those glasses on, by the way. I've taken a screen grab, by the way, for our listeners of Blake and his nouns glasses. I'm going to put it in our Facebook group. So if you're not in there, head to the Facebook group to see a photo of Blake and his nouns glasses <laughs> that he got from NFT Fest. Back to Farmington. What are your thoughts around Farmington? Well, you know, I think it's prudent for a crypto company to build good relationships with the banking sector because, you know, all too often we've seen here in Australia and in other countries, crypto companies often get debanked because of regulatory pressure, right? So, you know, this could have just been a hedge for them to, you know, ensure that, you know, if one of their banking channels went down, then, you know, potentially they had another one um, available to them. But, yeah, who knows what else they used it for? You know, I think there'll be um, more that comes out around this story in the coming weeks and months. Moving on to our next story. A hacker has stolen $100 million from crypto project Mango. Just how did it go down? I'm going to leave Blake to explain that because he knows the long and the short of it. And that's actually a bit of a pun because it's to do with longs and shorts. So, Blake, how did this, how did this work? Yeah, so there was a hack on this project called Mango Dow which had a platform for doing decentralized trading on cryptocurrencies um, and using leverage. And someone hacked the DAO for over $100 million. Um, So they've done pretty well out of that one. Then he said to the community, to the DAO members, uh, you know, I'll give you half of the money back or a portion of the money back if you say that, you know, this wasn't a hack. This was, you know, a, a gray hat hack and, you know, it was a bug bounty. Uh, and um, you guys pay me, you know, uh, the difference of, of whatever I give back. And, you know, he put somebody or he put this up as a proposal in the DAO. And because he held all the tokens in all the mango tokens or whatever they're called, he voted the proposal through. So then the DAO couldn't prosecute him or, or file charges against him. Who knows if they would have done that anyway. But we have this interesting situation now where, you know, somebody's really taken advantage of, you know, the dynamics of how a DAO operates by stealing all this cash and, and you know, potentially getting off scot-free. So that's how it happened. Yeah, well, this actually happened about a month ago. And um, the sort of the proposal that Blake's just mentioned, that's only just happened. So... He's taking a bit of a clip on the ticket on the funds as, yeah, as a bug. And I mean, when you think of it like that, you, a hacker either takes it all or, yeah. do you know what I mean? So this is a, another risk with DeFi protocols. And if you Google <sighs> like DeFi protocol um, mm. exploits, you know, bridges, these guys, um, decentralized exchanges, they're all massive targets because at the end of the day, you're trusting code, not humans. So I've seen SPF, humans are greedy. Mango, sometimes the code isn't isn't foolproof. As secure as you would like it to be. Yeah. Isn't as secure. Mm. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, so... Yeah, it really reminds me of your know, bank robberies um, back in in the Midwest in the in the seventeen and eighteen hundreds, and I feel it's the modern day version of that. You know, these hackers are, are going in and looking for as much cash as they can get. Yeah, wow. and they can all do it and be semi kind of anonymous as well, sitting behind a screen. All right, I think on with our short, sharp news bites for this week as well, and I'll go first. As suspected, 
BlockFi files for bankruptcy as the FTX contagion spreads. So BlockFi filed for bankruptcy just days after suspending withdrawals last week, and FTX has extended had FTX had extended a four hundred million line of credit to this lender earlier in the year. So again, no no surprises here. We thought this one would play out as it has. Thank you, Tracy. That is um, no surprise, but BlockFi are in the bin. I don't know if they're available in Australia. That's hopefully none of our listeners were impacted. They were not. Okay, good. NFTs are dead. Well, that's that's maybe not question mark on that one because a golden fur bought ape, which I love, has now sold for just under a million USD, so over a million Aussie. So there is some big purchases being made. I saw a zombie um, crypto punk as well sold for a lot. Um, so there is still some some action going on in NFT land. Yeah, there's news in from the Solana Foundation that they lost over 180 million dollars of crypto on FTX. Now, you know, FTX was a big proponent of the Solana project and led maybe even led one of their capital raising rounds uh, early on. And as a result, there was a, a strong relationship there between the two groups. And of course, um, Solana would have used FTX for liquidity for different purposes. And now, you know, unfortunately, they've lost a chunk of their treasury. So I don't know how much was in their treasury, but your 180 mil is uh, no short change. So hopefully they'll recover from this one. So crypto exchange Kraken has settled a case with US Treasury over serving customers in Iran. Kraken has agreed to pay 362000 to settle its potential liability for violating US sanctions. So not a big one there, just more of a little slap on the wrist for Kraken who are haven't been and us are actually versing iran a nation they have sanctions on in the world cup which would be and the winner will go through the group stage so that'd be an interesting match sneaking a bit of world cup in there a bit of world cup and a bit of po- politics as well um so crypto exchange binance trace they've added another billion to their secure asset fund for users go binance um, it's your birthday what do you call it portfolio some portfolio. So me and Blake are actually going to a Binance dinner wow. tomorrow, apparently. Yes. Um, and they're going to talk about, so I'm digressing here, talking about the challenges that we face. So we'll come back to you guys with what Binance reckon. And you were going to, and CZ was going to be there, but he has He been, was going to be there, but he's clearly a bit busy he's been talking shit on Twitter. Been, he's been made to stay in his bedroom. He's been naughty boy. And just the other guys from Binance will be there. But look, good on them. One billion is now two billion for this fund. Um, they've upped it. So- but it's a little bit controversial, though, because it's held in BNB, BUSD, and BTC. And a lot of the commentary on Twitter is around why is it held in BNB because you can't sell it without crashing the price. Oh, right, right. Okay. Right? Yeah. yeah Sound yeah, familiar? Yeah, 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 FTX yeah, yeah. did. And it's not just Binance, though. We've got um, Simon Dixon who jumped on, like, literally the second that CZ said he was doing this. Simon Dixon from Bank to Future got on and said, look, I'm, I'm in for this. What's his name? Son from Tron. But anyway, he's involved there as well. So good on them three of them and there's probably a few more there's a few more well-known hedge funds and investment funds that have come on board to to join the fund and they'll be looking to they'll be looking to you know help prop up some of those affected parties from the ftx saga so they're doing a great thing i think and uh, many great businesses are gonna be recipients of some of this cash so yeah looking forward to see how that is deployed in the coming months and that's it, guys, for a uh, another week. 
in crypto news or three days as it has been. So join us again. And remember, we're coming out on Wednesdays now with the very, very up-to-date and on-the-pulse crypto news. So please join us next week. Keep the questions coming via email at podcast at getbamboo.io. Follow us on social media and in the Facebook group. Don't forget to rate and review us wherever you're listening to your podcast. Please tell your friends about us so they can come along this journey with us. So listen to us next time. Bye for now. Bye. See you guys. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.